and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter, as featured on BBC Radio 4 Extra's Podcast Hour and BBC Radio Manchester. Joining me today are Dominic and Debbie Eaton, who lead the Salvation Army in Preston. The Salvation Army is a worldwide evangelical Christian church serving in the heart of communities. They really put the faith into action. We're going to be chatting about what the Salvation Army is and how you listeners can get involved. So how are you two today? We are, we are very good. Maybe slightly sore. We've just been to the gym this morning. Yeah, that point where everything hurts afterwards, but you can tell yourself that it's worth it and, yeah, that it will be worth it. So other, other than aching, we're good. We're good. Good. So take me back to sort of how the Salvation Army was set up and, and its history. Oh, wow. You've Ooh. got to go a long way back for that, back to 18... 65 yeah but you get the dates accurate uh and a guy called william booth um, who originally was part of the the methodist church was a methodist preacher um going around in his early days preaching in, in the methodist church um found a group of other christians in east london um known as the east london christian mission and uh, they were trying to make a, a difference um, in that part of London, as you can imagine, Victorian slums of, of East London, not a great place to live. Um, and wanted to do something more than the other churches around who, who were doing very little, who wouldn't let the smelly, dirty, drunk people into their churches. Um, and so it started in a tent. You kind of jump forward a few years to 1875, um, which is the first time the name the Salvation Army actually kind of came into existence uh, and it went from from there spread from london right across the whole of england scotland wales into to northern ireland ireland um across the world to today being in 131 countries around the globe wow so setups yeah. sort of started in in england and it's now an international organization yeah, and grew really rapidly, actually, internationally, even in those very, very early days. Um, so William Booth um, was, was quite a mover of his time. So he he, he, he travelled all across the UK in one of the first motor cars. He kind of got on board with the technology that was available there. He travelled across the world um, and sent people from England across the world to loads of different countries. So really got on board with, I guess, the technology that was available then, which I guess kind of makes us um, think, He'd, I think he'd probably be quite impressed that perhaps yeah. how we're using technology and throughout the pandemic, particularly, have had to adapt to using technology today. The other thing, though, that I, that I just remembered when you were talking about that is, of course, William Booth was also influenced greatly by his childhood as well. So part of what he did in his teenagers was he worked in his father's pawnbroker's shop. And obviously working in that environment, he saw really, really desperate people and saw the desperate situations that they were in. So I guess that just kind of says to me, you know, the influence that actually those those childhood and, and teenage years really have on people um, and actually that the difference young people then can make. Absolutely. And I mean, as we say, the, the army is known for the sense of belief in action, and it, it really is a practical faith of, mm. of putting what we believe into action. Uh, William Booth had, had a saying in the early days of soup, soap and salvation, uh, and that sense of actually, there's no point just telling people that Jesus loves them 
if they are dirty, if they are hungry, if they're too consumed with the issues in their life. Um, and so a sense of actually, let's, let's try and address some of those issues at the same time and tell them that there's a God in Jesus who loves you and wants to help you through this. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and like being a Christian myself, I really think taking your belief in the love of God into your actions is sometimes just as yeah. good as preaching it as well, because um, absolutely people can feel the love through the actions you do and that can that can like bring them to God in that way as well so I think it's like and like a really good way of doing it um so have the missions and values of the Salvation Army been the same throughout and what are they sort of in the 21st century now oh good question um yeah I I think I think those core values and perhaps we, we talk about our DNA sometimes you know what, what's our DNA as an organization um, and I think that DNA of, of faith in action of, you know, going back to William Booth of soup, soap and salvation um, does continue with us today. I think that is still very real for Absolutely. us as the Salvation Army um, in the different places where we're serving. And that sense of actually we we we, we serve anyone, um, you know, any anyone who is in need. We, we, we find a way if we can. Um, to help directly or on occasion sometimes to signpost to other people um, recognizing that like any organization like any church you know we, we can't always do everything um, but if, if the best way we can help sometimes is to signpost we'll do that as well and that there is something about the welcoming of all there's another great phrase of William Booth of uh, the whosoever yeah. uh, and just that that real acceptance of that we regardless of background regardless of their, their upbringing, the situation they find themselves in, um, whatever their, their beliefs, and actually it's about we, we welcome them as Jesus would welcome them. Um, yeah. I mean, Jesus told Jesus told the um, story, didn't he, of the Good Samaritan, um, which I guess is one that we often um, speak about. And, you know, in, in that story, of course, the help that is given, the help that the individual who's in need is given, is given by a Samaritan. It crosses the, the boundaries at that time when it was set. And I think sometimes perhaps we miss that today. And we think, oh, it's a nice story and somebody helped. But actually, it, it was a story where the help that was given was crossing the boundaries. Um, and and that, that, that's, that's really important for us. Yeah, definitely. It's fair to say kind of the, the kind of things that were important to, to us as a, as a church, as a, an organisation in the early days, many of those still exist. Mm. What that looks like today will be very different. Some of the, the programmes, some of the, the people we try to reach will be the same, but actually the methods have, have changed drastically um, over those 100 and 150 years and even more so in yeah. the last 15 months. And I, and I guess that's the thing actually, the last 15 months, you know, for us as, as a church locally, um, as for just about everybody, have been a time of real change, haven't they? Uh, because life has changed, our society has changed, our global community has changed in ways that um, perhaps we've never seen before or experienced before. Definitely. And so the Salvation Army, is it is it mainly a church? Is it an organisation? Or is, do you just have so many different branches? I'm just trying to... <laughs> imagine the concept like I understand all the stuff you do but are you is it primarily church and then the things you do as the church yeah so we're first and foremost we're, we are a Christian church and the work that we do and that work which I guess um, perhaps gets labeled as charity work um, flows from our ministry and our mission as a church so that the reason we do the charity work that we do 
is because of our beliefs as a, as a Christian church. So first and foremost, um, we, we are a Christian church. We worship together. We, um, we make disciples as Jesus taught us to go and make disciples. Um, but part of our discipleship um, is, is our mission and, and, and is our charity work in that way. Yeah. And so how did you two discover and get involved in the Salvation Army? What's your story? Ooh. Oh, now you've asked the question, Lisa. You <laughs> how you, it's how you met. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, we yes. Who's going first? My family have been members of the Salvation Army for, for many years. Um, I'm fifth generation, if you like, um, in, in my family to be part of the, the Salvation Army. So I, I was kind of brought along to the, the church services from, well, pretty much being born, um, but have then made sort of decisions myself and understanding who God is and accepting Jesus as my saviour for myself as kind of grown up. Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of my early steps into the Salvation Army. So I didn't grow up in the Salvation Army at all. Um, I did grow up in, in a Christian family. Um, I went to went to another church. I grew up in um, spiritually in Pentecostal church, beautiful church family. And our two churches, um, when I was, what were we, 16? So yeah, GCSE years. Well, no, because I was before you. So we they did. They did two um, musicals together. So the Salvation Army, part of the Salvation Army's history for a time, um, there was a series of musicals that were written um, that focused on um, different parts of the Bible and all sorts of things. And our two churches um, came together to do musicals together. And during the second of those musicals at the wonderful age of 17 in the midst of A-levels and all of the rest of it, um, by that time you'd moved back to Doncaster, hadn't you? And we, we, got, we got together. The kids that were involved were playing matchmaker. Um, and the famous saying was, he asked me out and I went, well, I've got nothing better to do, so okay. Um, and, and it all kind of grew from, from there, there really, didn't yeah. it? Um, and, you know, and then there was a point of, for me, there was a very definite moment when um, I felt very strongly that God said to me, actually, you need to make a move from the church where you are to the Salvation Army. And that was a very definite kind of um, God moment for me in that I have to say, before that, and certainly for the two or three years before that, as a teenager, I thought they were quite bonkers, actually, um, in, in some way. They, they, they wore these strange uniforms, even when it was really hot. Um, they had these hats. And, and I, I, I was, yeah, I, I didn't really kind of understand it all at that point. Um, but there was a very definite moment when God said, no, actually, you need to make the move to the Salvation Army. And it all kind of followed then through from there, really. We married. We got married. We got married, um, continued worshipping and serving at the Salvation Army um, in Doncaster, where we were at that time. And I, I was teaching. You worked for the Salvation Army even then. I was a youth worker and those in Doncaster. Um, mm -hmm. Great years. And then, then we felt led into full-time ministry um, as, as officers. Um, it gets termed in the Salvation Army, um, kind of like church yeah, ministers. Church ministers. Um, so that took us to, to London to the Salvation Army's College for two years. So that was in 2007. Um, two years there. And then the, the way the Salvation Army works, we, we get appointed um, to a place. We don't have a, a say greatly in, in where we go. Uh, and our first appointment was to Londonderry in Northern Ireland. So we spent three great years in Londonderry, followed by four years in Belfast. Uh, and then we did three years on the Wirral and finally came to Preston 
two years, years ago, ago. Yeah. and loving Lancashire. We have to say, we, we have. having made all of the jokes, you know, crossing the Pennines and all and all of that, um, we are developing a real love for Lancashire as a county. Yeah, I think we think we decided with with be, the times during lockdown when we've been kind of stuck to, to Lancashire, it's certainly been a beautiful county to, to be stuck in. Yeah, and we've made the most of Very it. And, yeah, getting out and walking and stuff. Yeah, it is lovely. It is lovely when it's sunny as well. When it's rainy, not so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> how long do you stay in in your post then? So how long will you be in Preston, or do you do you move like because in the Church of England, I think I know the curates are like three or four years and they move on. So is there is there that kind of thing? Um, we <laughs> we're told that five years is kind of normal. Ish. Ish. But yeah. we've never we, we we haven't been five years just for various reasons and, and also within that so we've um we've two girls so obviously there's the schooling to take into yeah. account and things like that so there's particular years when um we wouldn't want to move and the army are really supportive of that um, at the moment and supportive of our children so it, it there is a little there's a little bit of like, not negotiation but a partnership working um as to find the right times to move but we would certainly hope to be here for a while yeah oh absolutely we're loving it in Preston and yeah and it did feel a little bit of course so we came in the July and then pandemic really was kind of starting wasn't it? kind of by February there was kind of signs so there was it's a little bit as though we were just getting to really know um the community and the church and then pandemic hit so it was a bit of a strange one in that way it was mm, yeah I totally can understand that um so what have you thought of Preston in terms of the communities? Where where have where have you noticed like a lot of the helps needed and the kind of people that need the help, if that makes sense? You see, yeah, I know um, there's a lot of homeless people in Preston, like the high street, you know, this I know like the shops are all basically gone down the high street and it's a bit mm, but I know it's a lot of homeless people up there. And so I didn't know if you noticed moving from, say, Londonderry, that there's more homeless in Preston or something like that. Um, I think I think in terms of the communities and kind of where people are needing help, I think what we're discovering and what we're seeing is that there's there's a complete mixture. So there are those who are obvious, there are those who you see. So there are those who who, who appear street homeless and um, who are very, very visible um and part of what we do as the salvation army is is to support them practically and to work with partnership organizations so we work quite closely with the foxton center um in, in, in providing support to that community but there's also an awful lot of hidden um need as well so in those places and in, in communities um where perhaps you wouldn't expect it and i think that's been magnified throughout pandemic so we've you know we've had requests from Particularly, you know, in those early months of pandemics, we had requests from families who, you know, were coming and saying, I've never been in this place before. I never thought that I would be coming and asking a food bank for help. Um, and, and those who, you know, in, in some sense appeared to have stable work, but then pandemic hit and furlough hit. And even though it was paying 80%, well, if you're used to working on 100% and there's no slack in your family budget, actually, that then makes a difference. In one sense, I think we won't want to necessarily sort of label a particular area of Preston mm. of, of where the need comes from, because I'm not sure that would be appropriate, but it, it's, it's very mixed. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say there isn't a corner of Preston that doesn't have need um, yeah. and that we find people that, that come to us for help. Uh, and, and beyond, actually, and beyond. as a wider area. So, I mean, we, I mean we've taken 
referrals from Garstang right the way down to Chorley. So we we are we're covering a large area of people um, and where where there's need really. And what do you do do like as your responsibilities as leaders? And are you called captains in the Salvation Army? What kind of roles do you have? Again, <laughs> a bit of everything. Yeah, very, very mixed. Very, very mixed. Very mixed. Uh, there's the, obviously there's part of it. We are we have a congregation um, to pastoral care to to those in our congregation. Um, we have um, employees here and a, a great team yeah, of volunteers. Brilliant team of employees um, and volunteers. So it's kind of overseeing the work that, that they do, um, supporting them as and when needed. Um, we have a, a beautiful building here. Um, so that you end up that takes up a little bit of time um, sort of with dealing with you know when light bulbs break and getting people the right people into, really to fix things it, but it? that's not the fun thing but it's, it's about being with people mm-hmm. uh, and whether that's within within the church or actually just out in, in the community and those that, that come to help just being able to, to sit down to have a chat um, and just, just try and get to know people um, yeah We've two charity shops as well. So we've a charity shop on Flungington Road in Preston and charity shop in Chorley. Um, so we've managers there and engaging with customers in, in those places as well, because actually that's another really great point of contact. Um, and those those employees, those charity shop managers, actually have a great opportunity to build relationships with people and will sometimes be able to spot those needs and provide that very practical support in that way as well and of course um we we lead services and engage with people in that way which has all changed and had to look very very different throughout the past um 15 months as well it's it's yeah it's a i say it's a great job it's not really a job in one sense but i think people and listeners probably understand what we mean in that um yeah we enjoy it it's really varied would we want to do anything else no 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 two days are the same definitely not absolutely not (laughs) and you work well together you like bouncing off each other well now, so I'm guessing you work really well as a team. Most of the time, most of the time. We, we have, we have. I think like any relationship, we, we have our moments, uh, moments. But yeah, we get used to it. I get, and I guess that was the other thing. I guess we had a bit of a heads up in that. So I guess lots of people, didn't they, in pandemic, had to make that move to working from home. And we know that you know some people genuinely found that really, really tough to live and work in the same place alongside the same people 24 hours a day so i guess we had a little bit of a heads up in that because we've done that really for we the did, past we, kind we, of 12 yeah, years haven't we of working working, and working together yeah. um yeah we have our odd moments our, our our kids would probably tell you that if they were listening um but yeah generally generally we're, we're a good combination aren't we god knew what he was doing i think when he when he put us together oh that's good <laughs> um and so I wanted to ask back to when you were talking about the uniforms you wear and stuff. Um, I've only, I knew you were a church and knew about the food bank and I knew about the music bands and, you know, the, the brass bands and you'd always know that it'd be yeah. good music and it would be really exciting. Like at Christmas, I'm thinking. Um, so what? why do you wear sort of the uniforms and what do they represent? Or is it just for the musicians or what kind of, role is that if that makes sense no great question great question yeah um the the uniform would initially be for anyone who we would class as being a soldier um so that's someone who is um taking membership of the savage army as a church but are part of of a discipleship journey um so it's it's a it's a visible 
symbol of that sort of internal decision to to follow Christ. Um, so it's a, it's about kind of saying actually look, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus, um, and part of the, the Salvation Army. The way, the way the uniform looks like it, it does, you've got to go back again to understand um, life in England in the Victorian era. Um, we were built very much on uh, an army metaphor. Obviously, the, the British Empire and the, the might yeah. of the, the British Army around that time. The military metaphor. Uh, the military metaphor. So, not particularly a set uniform in, to start with, but it was that people saying, actually, we're, we're in a war. We're, we're fighting against the injustices in the world. We're fighting against the, the poverty. Um, and so, actually, we, we are a salvation army. And that sense, I think, of building identity. Um, I, I think uniform generally does that, doesn't it? If people are familiar with school uniforms and things. There is that sense of identity and togetherness. And actually, in the very early days, um, particularly for, for women, so the bonnets that they wore in the very, very early days, I've never worn a bonnet, can I just put that out there? Um, but they, they actually, they served a really practical purpose because actually not everybody in those early days was always thrilled to see and to hear the Salvation Army. They actually faced um, quite a lot of opposition in some places because of course, if people were making the decision that they were gonna stop drinking, then that had a massive effect on those who were running um, the pubs at the time. And not everybody actually was enthusiastic to hear that message that was going around. And so the bonnets actually protected them sometimes from the stuff that was being lobbed at their heads of kind of vegetables, mm. etc. There was kind of, there was a bit of a practical purpose. There, there. was, yeah. Um, I can't say that I've ever had, but I'm fortunate I've never had stuff thrown no, at me um, no. in, in, in my time. But... I think like with anything sort of it, it develops over time and, and modernises. Um, and yeah, we've so I think today we would have kind of the, the more formal uniform, which perhaps if you've seen the band out, mm. that'd have been what you sort of you've seen them wearing. Um, I mean, obviously, today we're in far more sort of sport tops kind of things, um, but it, it's just about being visible um, as, as the Salvation Army, um, and then people realizing actually, yeah, that, that's someone we can go to for help, and making sure that it's not exclusive either. Yeah. So whilst we talk about that many soldiers would wear uniform, actually not all soldiers would. Some would make the decision that actually I want to make that promise and I want to follow that road of discipleship, but actually I don't feel that I need to wear the uniform. That's absolutely fine. Equally, there would be some in our music groups now um, who, who are not soldiers, who haven't made that decision or that choice and who don't wear uniform. And that's OK as well. So I think we are far more inclusive in that way and finding the the, you know, the positive uses of uniform it's visible um that's yeah. the great thing about uniform it identifies I'm, I'm back to front who we are um with the red shield which actually is one of the most well-known symbols um across the uk and across the world so there are real advantages for us but it isn't exclusive and i think that's really important for us to understand as well yeah i think like you said the identity like, i i know this the symbol and i think most people would know if if not exactly everything you do, you know, oh, that's just, I know that symbol. I know yeah. what that means. Um, and the and you were touching on sort of how more people have been needing the food bank in the pandemic. Have yeah. there been what other? So you were talking about how you do you did things with the youth, um, Dominic. What kind of other things? Obviously, you've done the home. You do the homelessness thing. You've, you do the the band. What other? things do you do um obviously we we have uh, sort of some different groups for 
for kids and, and young people um, or pre-pandemic. It, uh, uh, that's and that's the the, it's, it's all kind of gone slightly differently over, over the last year, but they're beginning to slowly come back now as restrictions are easing. Um, so activities for those. Traditionally, we, we've had a lunch club um, and a, a day that's been focused on sort of the older people in our community with the craft club. Um, we have a, a computer suite here, which again, pre-pandemic, three, four days a week um, would have, again, mainly older people, but it was open to anybody mm. coming in, needing uh, support with, with computers. So much being online now, um, mm. kind of giving a training. But actually they started going, moving into family trees, being one of those things that lots of people are interested in now. There, there were a couple of classes on actually family trees and helping people learn to, to kind of get into those. Um, it's been the sense, I think, um, and again, we are talking pre-pandemic, but it was that sense of actually enabling and allowing people to come together. So even, even pre-pandemic, I think we were very aware that actually one of the greatest needs um, for many in society is that need of isolation so that sense that actually many people live very isolated lives and, and I think that's quite hidden in our communities a lot of the time so trying to provide opportunities for people to come together in that way um, I guess for all ages so for, from from the very youngest um, right the way through across the ages now having said all of that we are now in that great place at the moment you know 15 months later everything has changed hasn't it so much so we find ourselves as a church i think along with many other churches and many other organizations are looking afresh and saying okay what does this need to look like now as restrictions begin to ease actually how can we use our building in the best way what do people need are there and one of the things we've talked about are there community groups, um, you know, who, who actually need a space and an affordable space. Is that something that we can support with? So we really are in that place of looking at things with fresh eyes at the moment um, of actually what comes next, so to speak. But the one thing that has been consistent the whole way through the pandemic has been this need to continue with emergency food relief. Um, and that's been really key. Yeah, and I think the pandemic time has given everyone a time to reflect on um, how they can improve things or how they can change things and how they can start fresh. So I think it's like really exciting what's going to come out of this with all the new ideas and things. Absolutely. Um, so I saw you currently have a Sunday virtual sort of service at 11am, but sort of Talk me through pre-pandemic, what a typical church service at the Salvation Army in Preston would look like if people kind of fancy coming along when when you're doing them again. Because I'm guessing you're just virtual at the moment still. We're, we're not actually. We're um, hybrid at the moment, are This wonderful word of hybrid. Um, so whilst at the moment we're kind of, the focus is online, we do start having a few people in the building with us while we're live streaming. Uh, we're making the opportunity with the garden that we have here. So once a month, we're taking everything outside. We do our service outside because we can sing together outside. Yeah. We're not allowed to sing um, inside. So, but that's all still still live stream. I mean, our, our worship it's uh, it's family friendly. It's open to all. Um, we have pre-pandemic there would have been the band that would have played. Uh, we have a, a worship group, so piano, uh, yeah. and guitars, and sort of. Uh, say more modern songs is a bad term but yeah it, it, it's a real mix isn't <laughs> uh, it? and, and our songsters or our, our choir, choir. Um, would sing so that they would all take part in times of sung worship sharing the bible together um a, you know, sort of a practical sermon um linking we're, we're, we're big on 
the idea that we gather together as church to build one another up, to support one another, to be welcoming of all, but we are then scattered to our front line so that the places we go, where we work, where we shop, where we sit and have coffee, um, that's a big theme for us, coffee. Um, it's all part of, of our ministry and all part of our, of our mission and our outreach is just sharing Jesus with, with those around us. Um, yeah, and I think one of the, as part of that front line thing, one of the things that we were doing um, in our services yeah, pre-pandemic and have continued as part of our um, online services has this been, been the sense of frontline focus so we do something called this time tomorrow um, which is just a short interview just kind of five minutes with somebody in our congregation and we ask the question okay look at the watch so this time tomorrow where will you be um, what what does that look like for you so what's your workplace what are you doing in that place and then you know what what's the challenges what's the blessings and actually then how can we pray for you as a church family because we recognize that that time that we spend scattered actually that's the real time when we're we're on the front line that's the real time when we're interacting with people um and that's when we need to pray for one another so that's that's been quite an exciting part of our services it recently, has hasn't it yeah and I guess for us, one of, one of the challenges that have been the great things this last year is actually how many of that we've managed to kind of keep going. Um, we, we were lucky we started to live stream our services about three months before yeah. pandemic. Wow. Um, so so when, when it hit and the restrictions came in and we couldn't meet in the building, we were pretty much set up to, we, we didn't miss a Sunday. We no, went it wasn't straight. perfect. It wasn't we, perfect. we had challenges, but yeah, we, we, um, we had a little bit of a heads up on what we were doing, which yeah. was great. And, and, and it's great with, with doing on, on Facebook Live, we still keep that kind of conversation going with, with people in the comments. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And also, though, I think, um, like, do it, keeping services online as well and this hybrid approach going forward will give churches, like, people who might find it a bit intimidating to go into the building, they can, like, still listen to the message, yeah. listen to it at home, even if it's for, like, two minutes and then they go off but like that two minutes might be key yep. for what they want to need to hear so I think it it will give more people the opportunity to hear that and I remember speaking to um the Bishop of Liverpool for something and he said there was 2,000 people listening for about 20 seconds and that 20 seconds like they might listen yeah. to might change and shape their future so I think it's like a really interesting way of going forward with the church and helping in in that way absolutely I mean, I guess one of the other traditional things that certainly any older listeners may have seen in the past is something called the what we would call the open air, uh, where the establishment used to sort of march down the street, hold a service, wake everybody up on a Sunday morning, um, <laughs> and then sort of march back to to the church building for for their own service. I, I guess we kind of came across it, but in those early days, of pandemic actually. The the online world is is the new place for for that open air, um, that place where actually people whilst they're scrolling through they may only hear a few seconds but actually you never know what what those few seconds can do for people and we've had people who found us in that way yeah. and then who now are worshiping regular regularly with us each week as a consequence of that so you know whilst it's been challenging there really have been amazing kind of blessings so yeah I think Lucy you know you asked about when, when we can go back and we are very much kind of trying to talk at the moment saying actually we're not going back we're going forward in this mm. new kind of hybrid approach absolutely there are things that we are desperate to do again we we love being outside when we can sing together we really miss that sense of actually inside we're not able to do that at the moment there's stuff like that that we're absolutely. desperate to do but there are other new ways yeah. um, of moving forward for us 
I mean, one of the other important rhythms in, in our church family life is the first Sundays. We, we enjoy sharing a meal together um, as part of the service on the first of each month, which obviously we, in one sense, we have missed, but we took mm. that virtual and we spent pandemic hosting out kind of feast, feast boxes. boxes um, so we all driveway deliveries of feast boxes. So then on a Sunday, sat there, we all opened our boxes together and, and kind of still feasted um, together. So yeah, it'd be great to be able to get that sense of, unless we are. We eat a roast dinner together. We eat a roast dinner together, great. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so how can people listening? to this get involved with yourselves in Preston if they like like what they've heard or have like a heart to help you absolutely the easiest way to find us is probably actually on either on Facebook or Instagram um, or to find the the building on Harrington Street in the the middle of the Uplan campus Um, but we're we're always open for for people to get involved um, say with with the food bank here at the moment we have particularly need of volunteers in our two charity shops um so one on plungington road uh, and then the other one that's on Pall mall in chorley um they they are both in need at the moment of of volunteers people to to give and that that that's a final part of what we do um and yes there is a money making part to that but the the finances support what we can do here and at the food bank but there's also a real missional need there in terms of actually sometimes people will come in in, in desperate need um, and to be able to just say, actually, yeah, look, here, have some clothes, here, have, um, whatever's in, bedding, curtains, it kind of varies. Um, so that's a great opportunity for people to get involved and, and to put something back into their, their local community. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, the other really um, important thing that I guess everybody can do in some way um, is of supporting us as a food bank in a practical way um, of donations. Um, we last week, um, we for the first time in pandemic, we, we stood there and we looked around and went, oh, this is really quite desperate. Um, so up until that point, we've done we've been so fortunate and so blessed um, in physical donations and in financial donations. Last week, we looked and went, oh, this is really tough. Having said that, then, you know, we, we, we did some advertising, put some stuff out and we, we, we had a great response. We've had a great response to that already. But of course, it's a continuing thing. Um, so food comes in and it goes out again very, very quickly here at the moment. So people can support us in that way. Um, we've got drop off points in Morrison's at the docks, at the docks um, and Sainsbury's at Deepdale. So they're accessible there in that way. Um, the other thing that some people have, have done, which is really, really useful for us, um, is some people have done an online shop and had it delivered to us here, oh, um, which, which works really, really well. Yeah, that works really well for us um, between nine and one each day. We also have a Just Giving page and we've been very, very fortunate by some very generous um, financial support from people in that way as well. It is. And it, it's certainly the easiest way for people to get involved uh, in a way that doesn't actually cost a lot or take a lot of effort, particularly sort of you in those shops mm-hmm. um, to kind of when you're doing your weekly shop, buy a few extra tins, um, packets, you know, sort of the, the dry goods, toiletries um, and leave them in the, the food collection point it really does make a, a huge difference mm-hmm. to us. Is there anything specifically for the food bank you need? I know sometimes it's sort of more toiletries or are you just sort of short of everything yeah. in general? 
at the moment, it's, we're short of everything in general, except, except pasta and cereal. We yeah. have lots of pasta and cereal. Um, so, yeah, we are saying to people, please, please no more pasta and cereal um, for the moment. Otherwise, um, generally is across the board. The things that get forgotten, so the things that we don't get an awful lot of, but are really, really useful for us. Um, tin spaghetti. We get loads of beans, but we don't get much tin spaghetti. Um, tin potatoes and tinned fruit so we try our best you know as far as we can within what is non-perishable items to try to provide um, nutritionally balanced parcels so the yeah. tinned fruit and the tinned veggies really it important really is, for yeah. us um, so those items are always in short supply along with toiletries and do people for the food bank do you sort of have certain slots when people can come in to get the food when when they people who need the food or are you open all the time how does that process work we're we're open monday to friday 10 till 1 um for actual food bank collections yeah. um so a number of times it's people will come and collect themselves we work with um, referring agencies as well so sometimes we we get the agencies coming in collect we'll have social workers um community midwives uh, that will come and collect on behalf of of the people and the families that they're dealing with um, and our referral system is i think it's really important to us not because it's not because it's a barrier and a gate and we don't want it to be that but we also want to make sure that if we're if we're providing um food support to someone that actually someone's looking at the bigger issue so that we're not just sticking a plaster on for kind of four or five days without anybody actually looking at the bigger issue. So by working with different referring agencies, um, that just means that we can make sure that actually people are receiving the whole support. So it might be actually that, you know, um, that the benefits need looking at to make sure you're getting entitled that every all the benefits that you're entitled to. It might be that further family supports needed or that budgeting support and advice is needed. So we find that a really helpful process. Um, we will never turn somebody away for the first time. Um, we will always complete a first referral for them ourselves. And then we'll do the sign post and say, OK, if you need further support, um, work with one of our agencies just to make sure that you've got that full picture. Well, it sounds absolutely incredible, everything you're doing. And I think um, just really inspiring. And, and again, like that whole you're taking church outside the building to the communities where the people need it most. I think that's like a message that is like really important to get out there. Um, so I just want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast today and sharing, sharing all that. I've really enjoyed chatting to you both. For the invitation. It's, it's been, been great. great. Yeah, it's been really, yeah. it's been really lovely to chat with you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.